happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Right here. Right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles. Ready for next day installation. And all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. I'm trying to push the culture of the left more towards guns. And it's not gun culture that's bad. It's toxic masculinity in gun culture that's bad you know if we look at the gun culture in america it's you know racist white men and they're bad without guns so that's why i always say like anyone out there that has guns and you have friends that are talking about it like take your friends out go shooting you know get armed hello and welcome to another episode of beauty translated a podcast which celebrates the lives and culture of the trans community across the United States. Lately, I have been feeling more political than usual, as it's tough times to be trans in America. The current political climate that is leading to more anti-trans legislation manifests in real-world violence for trans people, especially trans women. I take special interest in trans people who are thriving in places you wouldn't often expect to find a trans person. And today's guest fits right into the heart of Beauty Translated. Sometimes the unknown can be scary. We often, unconsciously even, seek to avoid the things that make us uncomfortable. It is my hope that through conversations like these, we can all become more enlightened about the things that are foreign to us, so that we can reach new levels of understanding about ourselves and each other. I would call myself a beyond average gun owner. You know, I'm a gun dealer. So like, it's like, why do you have so many guns? Like, well, I'm actually a licensed dealer. So like, that's kind of why. That's Mia Rose, a trans woman from Oregon, Eugene to be exact. And like she said, she is a gun enthusiast, a gun dealer, and someone who teaches self-defense and instructs tactical training exercises. Her core customer base is made up of other LGBTQ plus individuals in the Pacific Northwest, many of them falling somewhere under the trans umbrella. As I begin our conversation, I realized that Mia and I have a lot in common, even going all the way back to the kind of upbringing we had, being that we both grew up in a militarized household. And like my dad wasn't wearing like camo in the house or anything like that, but he ran the house like it was boot camp or something. I had always had guns. I grew up in a military home, so guns were normalized in that sense. You know, the whole socialization. My sibling went to the military. I almost went, 
But I know I, I grew up, you know, wanting to own a gun and thought it was cool. I really liked the video games that had guns in them. So I've always been interested in them. And I also have like a fascination with the mechanical properties of a gun, just like the engineering of how they work, I've always found fascinating. And I like the physics of a gun. The idea that I can stand somewhere and I can shoot a bullet 300 yards and hit something. Before I got into like community defense and my own mission now and arming other trans people, I was a hobbyist. I shot at an indoor range. I shot after work for fun. That's all I did. Like I don't even hunt. I got into the sport when I was 22. I was living by myself. Ammo was a third of the price it is now. So I could buy ammo for like $8 and I'd be good all night. Nowadays, $8 ain't even buying me half a box of ammo. And after work, I'd just go home, grab my gun, go to the gun range, shoot, get a burger and go home. It was just kind of a relaxing thing for me to do. Around 2016, though, I was identifying as queer, but I wasn't presenting any different. I wasn't on any kind of medication, no HRT. But I started around that time reading the news and seeing what was going on and started getting a little bit older in my political understanding of the world. And I started seeing people like the, the left and community members arming themselves. We started seeing a national movement of minorities arming themselves, things like the Pink Pistol Club or like John Brown gun clubs are starting to form around that time. And it was like, hey, I have guns. I can start training people. So from there, me and my sibling and my other friends, we started advocating for people to learn how to use firearms and training and community defense. And from just working with certain minority groups and certain communities and just being around more queer people, it was like, oh, I suddenly feel more at home with these people than I ever did <laughs> in my previous life. I think just being surrounded by my own community, being in those spaces and helping these people without even knowing it helped me transition to, to realize who I am. And then now that I have transitioned, I feel like this role I've can serve is just so much more important because I know that even when I was presenting as, you know, the other gender, I still wouldn't necessarily feel comfortable going into gun stores. But I feel like when I had my store, you know, I would be trans, a trans person would come in, they would see a trans flag on my gun safe. Um, you know, I have the pink hair, they talk to me like, oh, this is not some guy with a Trump flag at his house. So I felt like a lot of people are thinking about getting armed, but because there is this community feeling around it, being so centered on the right, so much racism and just hate in that community. And then there's like a lot of trauma in it. And then people not willing to, you know, walk someone through trauma with their firearm. I thought it was interesting when Mia starts talking about trauma. Not everyone is going to be inherently comfortable wielding a gun. And the more marginalized intersections you find yourself in, the more trauma you might have around handling guns, or the less likely you are to explore that as an option for arming yourself. I see this as her talking about breaking down those mental barriers. Like for myself, those would be that guns are either perceived as too masculine or might make someone think I align myself with right-wing politics when I do not. When people in the community see me, they see a pink-haired trans woman who's obviously not this cis-het white guy in the right wing. 
And I find that what keeps a lot of people out of firearms training is not only that they don't feel welcomed in those spaces, but that a lot of people in my community specifically have trauma related around firearms. Whether that just be news that you hear about tragic events happening in firearms or people in their life having been negatively affected, perhaps even, you know, they aren't here anymore because of firearm use. So I find that someone that has this type of trauma, even if they do try to go into these right-wing places, more often than not, these instructors are not going to be patient or compassionate to these feelings. So if someone with trauma, maybe every time they see a gun, some of their PTSD kicks back. So if they're in a firearms class, and like, let's say you're the only minority in this class, the instructor is going to treat you differently. So when I instruct my own people, I ask that everyone like, hey, what's your comfortability around this? And because of my trans identity and my own experience with firearms, I'm able to give people more of a one-on-one approach that is definitely more trauma-informed. After every shot, I ask them, hey, how did that feel? What's going on with you right now? So I realized that we're not just shooting a gun. For some people out there, we really are unpacking years and years of bad information around guns, as well as personal trauma that they may have encountered in their lives. And with that approach, Mia set out to find a way to increase her community's awareness and comfortability with firearms. I feel like there was just a need. And I guess being kind of who I am, always wanting to help in that sense, I kind of just filled that role. The first thing I did was start instructing. I'm like, hey, guys, I have a pistol and I have a pump action shotgun. Does anyone want to learn how to use these? And of course, everyone's like, yeah, I've never even shot. So just me taking friends out a couple at a time, just teaching them and they bought their own. And now I have a community of people here in my own town that I've helped bring up over the years. So yeah, I do consider myself a little more into the gun thing, but it's also on brand for me at this point. I'm kind of the gun girl. Many trans people, including myself, felt vulnerable and unsafe to be visibly trans due to the rise in trans scapegoating and anti-trans rhetoric coming from the right. This led to an increase in politically left-leaning gun clubs all over the country, particularly in conservative areas such as Oregon and Georgia that cater to marginalized groups, people of color and LGBTQ folks being some of those groups. Here's Mia. John Brown Gun Club was named after John Brown, who was an abolitionist in like the Appalachian area. I'm not, I'm kind of fuzzy on the history. They made a TV show about it, actually. It's kind of good. But he's an abolitionist and it's free and slaves. So a lot of people will kind of got down with that message. The John Brown Gun Club, though, is a leftist gun club organization that really focuses on mutual aid as well as range days. So I often see them out doing things like food drives or like winter clothing distribution. And as of lately, they've been offering community watching for like BLM marches, as well as queer events like drag story time and just drag shows in general. There is a growing trend in conservative pockets of the country among right-wing demonstrators to show up to drag events, whether they be aimed at children or not and try to intimidate or threaten the performers and the fans. 
Right-wing lawmakers are simultaneously fueling this trend by drawing up bills that would outright ban anyone perceived as a female or male impersonator that is in the vicinity of children. This threatens the livelihood of drag performers' careers in those areas, but also leads to the policing of trans women and men, because the laws are so vague that they can easily be used to encourage anti-trans discrimination enforced by the police, stating that we are public predators. Yeah, so the right will find one and they'll share it on their social networks and then people will drive from like out of state to like go protest these events. And the local leftists, you know, they show up. John Brown Gun Club has adopted Blacklock as their kind of thing when they go out armed to protect their own identity because they are being targeted just for defending queer community spaces. So I give a lot of props to them for standing out there and, you know, doing that work. That's fantastic. I think it's really cool how you were able to both find a niche there and also kind of find yourself at the same time. Yeah. I can't imagine, like, I mean, you know, I grew up in a conservative household. I grew up in a military household. My dad was in the Marine Corps. My dad was a police officer for 30 years. And I always grew up with the idea that guns were associated with the right and with more conservative people. And a lot of times I associated it with toxic masculinity and things like that. So it was around the same time for me, around 2016, and especially in 2021, January 6, 2021, where we see, um, you know, the Capitol being stormed, for example, where I'm starting to think like very seriously, like, what would I do in a situation where there's a group of hateful people that wanted to harm me? And so I have thought about arming myself. And I know many of my trans friends have armed themselves and have learned how to do so properly, thanks to this new kind of, and it's newer, of course, because these weren't necessarily available before, like you said, but these newer people who are providing lessons for minority groups. Yeah, you know, it's like we say, you know, like we protect us, community protects itself. So I think it's people all around this nation are, are, are seeing it. And then there's people that have the ability to help others and they are. And it, it's a beautiful thing, really. What do you see with your customers and like your clients, what do they tell you about the want to arm themselves? Every time I sell someone a gun, I say, how does it feel to be a new gun owner now? Because like, first and foremost, the the decision to buy a gun is a very, very individual and personal choice. While I am an advocate for owning a gun, I also understand that there's just some people that aren't going to want one. And that's fine. They don't have to. I always say that if you have an interest and want to get one, do get one. But the people that come into my shop are usually like that. You know, they've always maybe had an interest in it and they see the news, they see the writing on the wall per se, and they feel like it's time to take the next step. Usually at that point, I let them know like, hey, I know you're buying this gun and that's great, but that's just step one. Like you need to train with it. And I also offer firearm training classes, you know, locally in my area. So most people, they buy a gun and I say, I tell you what, you buy some ammo and we'll go out and I'll show you how to use that now. And then I set them up with a target stand and then they're able to take themselves out and do their own self-led training. So my customers lately have been an uptick in women, number one, and then women of color and then trans people of all kinds have been coming in. I don't get a lot of white cis men coming into my store. 
if they do, they're like the allies, you know, that know me from before. <laughs> but my, my store is pretty much like 80% of my sales are women. Like half of them are women of color and the other half are trans. <laughs> so that's kind of what I've been focusing on. That's awesome. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. In December of 2022, Mia was interviewed and photographed by NPR to talk about Measure 114, a new bill Oregon was proposing that would make local law enforcement, the police chief or county sheriff, responsible for determining who can and cannot own a gun in the state of Oregon. Mia spoke in the article about how this bill could affect lots of different marginalized groups. Tell us a little bit about what that experience was like after the article was published. That article was very exciting to be a part of. It was like my first time someone's interviewed me. So yeah, the guy wanted someone to be uh, the poster trans girl. And I always say that I didn't dye my hair pink and make an Instagram to not be seen. So, you know, okay, NPR, let's go. <laughs> um, yeah, it was about the LGBT community worrying about Measure 114 targeting them. Measure 114 as it is now in Oregon looks like it's going to be stopped completely, but it's still up in the air. It looks like it will, but technically it did get voted for. But technically, the courts ruled against it. So it's probably going to go to Oregon Supreme Court, and then we'll see there. But the fear is that the police are going to have free reign on who gets to have a gun or not. The police get to decide who is good for the community or reasonable. And, you know, the history of police violence towards the queer community, Stonewall and everything. I don't got to get too much into it. But again, 2016, 2020, all these protests... One of my worries was that people that were identified as protesters and not even the ones that, you know, did property damage, just like attending these things. Are they going to be like, well, we saw you attending a protest and you were yelling out, 
abolish the police or police are terrorists or something about, you know, end the police. And then you think the police aren't going to be like, well, you don't even like us. Why should you be allowed to have a gun? So that was the issue I wanted to bring up in that article. It was nice because another friend of mine was interviewed in it and they're a lot more well-spoken than me and kind of said the same thing, but better. But um, yeah, so the article was about 114, but being that I was the only pictures presented, the article quickly became my article, um, which again was fun. They were great pictures, by the way. But with, yeah, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Unfortunately, though, with that, the headline being LGBT afraid of getting guns taken away, and then a picture of me, the article became sensationalized on just the, the very physical image of me alone with a gun. And it quickly became about me as a trans person armed in Oregon. And I guess I knew that was going to happen, but it was definitely interesting to see it all unfold. As it quickly unfolded, Mia found herself in the middle of a backlash from all sides, people on the right and the left. So I woke up that morning, what happened? My friend messaged me, like, Mia, you're on the news. I'm like, oh yeah, I didn't even tell anyone about that yet. So that's how I woke up to my friends telling me it. So I, I'm like a glutton for self-punishment. I went to NPR and I got the article headline, right? And I just typed that into Google and I got every single hit possible. And I just read every comment for like the first two weeks. And I went to Reddit and like, there's like so many Reddit posts with like 40,000 up views and like hundreds of comments. So yeah, I read them. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to see what was said. And like, that's how I can say with a lot of confidence that people didn't read the article because they were just talking about like, oh, LGBT, pink hair, must be a liberal. Like, you probably just got armed last month and you voted for Hillary or something like that. Like, people are like, you voted for these gun laws. Why are you complaining? It's like, I didn't vote for these gun laws. Like, <laughs> or like, someone's like, this is what you get for voting for Democrats. And it's like, this was a ballot measure, which has nothing to do with politicians. Like, a bunch of people got together and signed a petition, and then they all voted on it. Like, anyone can technically do that if you have, you know, the funding. Like, you have to go canvas and stuff. But, yeah, and then people on the left were being a certain way about it, too, saying that I was being too much. Like, I think someone, I, I went to liberal gun owners, and, like, some of them were like, I think this is too much. She doesn't need a 60-round drum and a silencer and it's like you know ideally yeah ideally i wouldn't need to have all these guns ideally i wouldn't need to be able to arm myself and defend myself but you know that's not the world we live in yeah and i know the climate and i mean i've never been to oregon but i know the climate in oregon can be outside of portland very conservative yeah and i'm sure it can feel unsafe most definitely like a lot of people think of Portland as Oregon and like they had a bunch of like the federal courthouse was protesting for like a hundred days straight here in Portland in like 2020. So in there, there's definitely a radical and like a very liberal and then in that like a radical pocket. And in the other major cities, it's like that too, like Salem and Eugene. But yeah, once you leave those towns, it's actually very conservative here. And all of that kind of liberalness just goes away. If you take a look through the lens of gun culture, 
Who do we typically see represented as the right gun owner? People of color, LGBTQ plus individuals, and women at the intersections of any of these identities are typically left out of gun culture. You could even say that this is by design, that we have a society that seems to inherently value a white man strapped with a gun versus a person of a marginalized group. And it sure sucks that anyone has to arm themselves with guns, but why should the groups most vulnerable to hate and violence be the only ones not armed? Do you think there's a fear on the right of minorities and people on the left arming themselves? I definitely think there's a fear. One of the tactics on the right used against me was trigger warning, like transphobia coming up, like the statistics about us. Someone said, like, if you really care about trans lives, you would not arm yourself and you would advocate for no one to arm yourself because of blah, blah, blah percentage. And it's like, you know, come on, dude. Like, I feel like when people attack me on that statistic or when people like some people said my gun was fake and some people said, oh, I have like Chinese stuff on my gun and nothing. Not there's nothing wrong with Chinese stuff, but like I have like an expensive gun. <laughs> so it's all like it's like American made parts here. Um, but like the reason that people were doing that is because they were trying to tear me down. Right. Like if you can if you see something and you can discredit it, it's no longer a threat because when they see me, you know, they see a human being, no matter what gender, they see a human being with a rifle. If they can tell themselves, I'm not trained of it. If they can tell themselves, it's a BB gun. <laughs> if they can tell themselves, it's fake, you know, all these things, then all of a sudden, I'm not a threat. And I think what that does is allows them to not have to be better. I think they don't want to believe I'm a threat because they don't want to up their game. They want to believe that we are harmless and that we are victims. And the majority of them are just mocking me. If they were to truly understand, I don't think they'd be discrediting me. You know, like if all those people that, like the people that said my gun was fake clicked on my Instagram <laughs> and watched my videos, they wouldn't think it was fake anymore. What I found most interesting about this is the same thing is said about a trans woman's womanhood, that it's fake or a cheap imitation. But anyway, this is the perfect example of toxic masculinity in gun culture, the equivalent to a dick measuring contest. My gun is more real than yours. However, if you were to click on Mia's Instagram and look through her content, it's a mix of tactical training and shooting range videos, e-girl aesthetic selfies, and leftist and anti-fascist memes. Not your typical gunfluencer content, but not too far from it either, just with a much girlier aesthetic and without any conservatism. I'm not saying that everyone gets an AR-15 and night vision like me becomes, you know, we don't, I'm not like raising an army or anything, but I do want to shift the culture. I want to push the culture of the left overall more towards guns. If I can arm people and then they tell their friends and then now there's just people talking about guns now in spaces where maybe they never had guns and now they're talking about them, that's huge. Like the right they have cultures and generations of doing this. Like they will go hunt and they'll go camping with their family 
and guns are hanging on their walls. Like everyone does it. And then, you know, you have families and generations on the left that never even touched a gun ever. So I'm just saying normalize them in your household because, you know, see them as the tools they are. So that's one of the biggest parts of my mission right now is just moving the culture towards guns. Like I don't expect everyone to buy an AR-15 and train every weekend, but if they want to buy like a handgun and train to make themselves feel safer in their home, I definitely advocate for that. We're going to take another quick break here, beauties. More from Mia when we come back. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles. Ready for next day installation. And all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com, that's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. And we're back. Mia to tell me more about what it's like to be a woman in this industry. I got into this industry, I presented differently just as a queer person. So one of the things that kind of made me nervous or anxious about going in was like coming out in my transition. It's like, there are other queer people that I've trained and that were in like my direct friend circle. But as a trans person, I still had that like, oh, I'm going to come out hope people accept me feeling even in, you know, a leftist organization. And like one of the things that kind of got me was I think my physical appearance gave a sense of authority and of like knowing what I was doing with a gun. They looked at me and was like, oh, you look like someone that knows how to shoot. Like I'm gonna respect your authority based off patriarchal preconceptions. So I was like, okay, if I transition and I start putting on makeup, I dye my hair pink, are people gonna take me seriously? Or are they just gonna, you know, judge me as like this trans girl? So that was kind of a big thing for me. Luckily, those are just like insecurities and I did have a very supportive community. So at least all the people in my community really accepted me very, very well. Now I cannot say the same <laughs> for, for the other side, for the right. I already never felt comfortable really in those spaces, just being a person of color walking into gun shops or gun stores or gun shows even. Uh, now as a trans woman, I don't even, I try not to even go into those places. Um, I'll go into a gun store if I don't want to order something and they have it right there. 
And when I do, it's like the music stops when I walk in there and everyone like looks at me, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I always tell myself, oh, they just think that I probably got armed yesterday or something. But yeah, I mean, the left has been accepting of it because I was respected before, I think. So that really helped me. And it's like, you were good of guns then. Being trans doesn't change that. So you're still, I'm still seen as like someone with something to say in this community. But in the right, you know, my, it's just, it's just, um, more uh more identity to oppress me by essentially here i asked mia to speak about the second amendment and the notion that guns are violent and because of that violent people may be the ones most drawn to gun ownership that that, that's that's definitely a touchy one right the way i see it is twofold one there's like the stance of I'm like a hardcore gun advocate. So it's like, as much as I don't like quoting the United States Bill of Rights, uh, the Second Amendment says says we can have. So I'm always like, well, the law of the land is the law of the land. I can't change that. And it says we have the right to bear arms. So I don't think like making this like a legal, legal argument is that we shouldn't be judged or perceived the guilty or innocent based off just exercising an American right. Having a gun doesn't change your status of being victimized or or the oppressor, right? It's the person. Taking away guns, there's still going to be violence. Now we're going to get into some recent news. The Covenant School shooting in Nashville, where three children and three staff members were murdered. This one hit particularly close to home, as some news outlets chose to fill the top of their websites with coverage of the shooter that was very misleading and intentionally aimed at stoking the public sphere of trans people, obscuring the real story with smoke and mirrors. Media outlets initially reported the shooter as a trans woman, which was false. In reality, the shooter was a trans man who had only recently begun transitioning. By misreporting and using incorrect language, to describe the shooter, this creates further trans misogyny, further hate specifically towards trans women, and does nothing to help our society heal from events like these, and much less solve the problem of gun violence in our society. The identity of the shooter doesn't matter. So why is the media spending so much time talking about and misreporting that? How many more of these events do we have to witness specifically in the United States? It was actually really kind of wild. I was actually doing another interview about being an armed trans woman in the middle, like, like we took a break and then we checked the news and we saw that shooting and it was just like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm already seeing headlines of like trans shooter. And I think one of the things that the trans community saw and just a lot of people in general was how the media, specifically the right wing media was just framing this whole thing, like trans shooter revenge, Christians in danger, all stuff like this. And, you know, we just look at shootings historically with cisgendered people or workplace shooters, and they're never, they're never like uh, described that way. They always, you know, their identity isn't important. In fact, sometimes they try to humanize the shooter. But I feel like with this trans shooter, because of the whole narrative against trans people right now, 
it was kind of like the golden ticket for all the transphobes to just spread hate. I actually got tied in with that. Some troll, like some some transphobic troll on Twitter thought it would be funny to get my picture along with other trans women in the community and just type essentially um, just lies underneath our photos. And this spread along Twitter. And, you know, when it was just on Twitter, I wasn't really too concerned because it was just Twitter profiles. And I'm sure there's right wing discord and stuff that I don't know about that are talking about me. And I'm sure that my image has been used in other ways like that, you know. But when I saw my picture on the Daily Mail, it was a little bit more concerning. I don't really want to call a Daily Mail a news site. But according to Wikipedia, they are the most read news in the whole of UK. So they do have publication power. And the fact that they weren't just a Twitter personality, they were a named industry and business. So I felt that I could actually take more of an action to get that removed. Luckily, I have an amazing lawyer in town that I trust. And with their advice, I was able to draft up a cease and desist letter and got that photo and all references to me removed immediately. So that was nice that it got taken down. But there's still that like, okay, well, that story still ran, you know, and like my picture has still been related to that. So I guess like, I'm upset about it, because I don't want my image to be linked to that in any way, and to be used to fuel hate. And at the same time, it's like, they're already doing these things, my imagery anyway. But at least this was one of the times where I didn't have to just sit down and take it. Even if the article was ultimately taken down, people still read the headline. They saw the story and the images of Mia within the body of the article and associated her with this horrible event. Daily Mail used Mia's image against her own cause, perpetuating the opposite reaction in people of what Mia stands for. And their publication reaches a lot of readers. It's not an accident or lazy journalism. It's not even journalism at all. It's creating a mythology for people to latch on to. It's definitely starting to feel like there's more awareness and public attention on me. Before, it was like, oh, they're armed and they're trans. I was just playing with my gun. I don't really know what I'm doing. But now that there's been shootings, armed transness is being vilified. So now before where it was just like, oh, it's just a silly pink haired liberal should know what she's doing. Now I'm being linked to a mass murderer. And it's like, oh, trans people with guns, terrorist groups, scary. So since then, I've taken down my flag, actually, that was in that article, just to try to lower my, my image. And yeah, like I don't openly walk around town saying I'm who I am, but definitely on my profile, I'm still who I am. But uh, even though my profile is public on Instagram, it's not like me walking around with a gun shirt, you know, or something. So I don't broadcast it too much, just for my own safety. Like, I don't want strangers on the street harassing me and stuff. But yeah, I have noticed that the last kind of big event has definitely changed more narrative around being armed and trans and like what that means. As the debate over gun control rages on, one thing has become clear the right wing's interpretation of the Second Amendment is selective. On the one hand, they argue that the government has no right to regulate firearms, that any attempt to do so is an infringement on our constitutional rights. On the other hand, they have no problem with restricting certain groups of people from owning guns. 
effectively, the Second Amendment doesn't mean the same thing when it comes to marginalized people. For example, despite the clear need for self-defense, trans women and other marginalized groups who choose to arm themselves for protection are often met with fear-mongering and demonization. The behavior of the Daily Mail we talked about earlier is but one prime example of this method. To put a bow on it, the same people who champion the Second Amendment as an absolute right become much less enthusiastic when it's applied to groups they don't like. It is a fairly transparent attempt to preserve the status quo and keep power in the hands of those who already have it. The Second Amendment should apply to everyone, not just those deemed worthy by the right wing. By acknowledging this hypocrisy and working to dismantle it, we can move towards a more equitable and just society for all. Everyone just needs to be able to see it first. They say that they they support the 2A and they support guns for everyone. But I've seen so many like articles, if you will, about how minorities specifically shouldn't have guns. So there's definitely a disconnect in what they say and then what they believe. An informed public is crucial for a functioning democracy, and the media plays a significant role in shaping public knowledge as well as public opinion. But all too often, instead of providing accurate and logical information, the media caters to society's darkest and most divisive corners. In a never-ending quest for an audience and influence, media outlets perpetuate decades-old stereotypes and prejudices that are harmful to marginalized groups. Issues that should have been dealt with years ago, and in many cases were dealt with years ago, keep getting churned back up. We should be beyond this by now. We need to move beyond sensationalism and into nuanced conversations that help us truly understand each other. When the media fails to live up to its responsibility, it harms communities and undermines the fabric of our society. Let's work to create a media landscape that uplifts rather than tears down the marginalized. It's time we started to care about the issues that face our society today, not the ones that faced us decades ago. I think that, you know, they they essentially don't care, the people that are making these statements. So I think, you know, sowing confusion is a great way to lead to hate. You know, I don't understand you, I'm just gonna hate you. And I think that is what's going on, you know? And like, just the how, like how they vilify in general, like for this last shooting, I read an article saying like how they were a star athlete and they had concussions as if to imply that because they had concussions, that was what, you know, that was, that led to what happened. And, you know, you don't see anything like that for the trans shooter, you know, it's like, oh, the trans is why they shot. Again, I believe that spreading this misinformation, causing this confusion it's easier to dehumanize when this happens. And then once you have dehumanization, that leads to hatred and then that leads to violence. Ultimately, we all want to live in a safer society, one with less violence, one with less hateful neighbors. The majority of Americans recognize that our strength lies in our diversity, and that includes responsible gun ownership and training for all. As we move forward, we must continue to have thoughtful conversations about issues that affect us today. That means acknowledging the ways in which marginalized groups have been historically excluded from this conversation. Here's Mia for her closing thoughts on arming marginalized communities with firearms. If you have a gun, it's not gonna make you less a victim. 
it's going to make you better able potentially to defend yourself. You know, like me having a gun and living in a dangerous community doesn't make me safer from attack. It makes me more prepared from an attack. You know, and ideally I don't even get attacked, but if I'm getting attacked with an item that could help me, you know, potentially save my life or not have that item, that's kind of more how I see it. But yeah, definitely people tend to say that's like, well, you have a gun and, you know, guns are violent. Like only violent people have guns. But I think that just through like education and having these conversations, it can dispel some of this. The question is, what do those conversations look like? What are the barriers and the misconceptions on the left? I think a lot of the misconceptions on the left are this idea, well, there's a part of the left that really wants to trust the police and reform them. And I think there's another part that's just like abolish police. And when we're talking about law, they're going to be enforced by the police one way or another. So when it comes to like gun law, I think that's where this conversation is split. We have some people that are more radical and they're like, no gun law. And other people are saying sensible gun law. And it's a very nuanced topic, you know, like, obviously, no one wants people to just get guns and just shoot everyone, you know, and like, cause a mass murder. But like, the answer is not banning guns from everyone either. Uh, Especially like the advent of 3D printing gun bans are going to be pointless. I follow people on Instagram that are 3D printing barrels, 3D printing the receivers, 3D printing ammo, absolutely untraceable. So like you can ban them, you can make them completely unsellable and humans know how to engineer and they will. For me, it's always coming like the mental health care question, you know, when people use guns heinously in murders, there's usually other signs. And I think if we had a healthcare system that addressed that, then we would see less of those violent actions and not just taking the gun away. Because, yeah, like people will find ways to act out violently on people. So I think that's where the split is between the left. Like, how do we address this properly? And America being the country that has a Second Amendment, some people feel really strongly about that. It's like, well, it's our right to have guns. But then the other arguments like, well, we don't want kids to get shot in schools. And it's like, no one's going to disagree of that. Like everyone wants kids to be alive in schools. Like I have a kiddo. I want them to be in school and safe. So we can take these parts from the gun culture, like me being, you know, kind of playful with them, I guess, or advocating for them, you know, having cool guns and say like, hey, you know, we can do this on the left. And like, just because I'm doing these things, like, again, like I'm not like building an army. I'm just, it's our second amendment. Like it's our right to do this. We have the ability to do this, and I advocate that you should, if you want to, of course. Mia is going to give us her closing thoughts here in a moment. But before that, I asked her what her goal with all of this is. After all, her passion is leading to a lack of understanding from virtually every angle. One of my big goals is to demystify firearm ownership. A lot of information and preconceived notions that people have are from media, and unfortunately, a lot of it's Hollywood and then the news. People aren't given the facts accurately, and they're being misrepresented to what I believe is to disarm our populace, to make us not able to defend ourselves. So I advocate for anyone that is interested, anyone that is thinking about it, to do your own research, talk to your friends that have guns, and go out with them. If you're the one friend that has a gun, 
talk to your other friends that are interested in it and take them out. Because then you're going to have two friends that have a gun. And then eventually you're going to have a community of people that you trust and you know that are all armed and are all willing to take care of each other. I truly believe that if you feel that you are able to do it and you get behind the gun and you pull that trigger, all of these preconceived notions, all of these anxieties are going to start to go away. And you could become someone who is comfortable with firearms. And at that point, then that's another person in the culture to spread the message of firearms. Regardless if you walk away from today's conversation feeling as if the concept of gun ownership has been demystified to you or not, I hope that this conversation was at least thought-provoking and eye-opening. I don't like to imagine a scenario where I need to take up arms as a trans woman against a fascist uprising. But for many of us living in these contentious parts of the country, we're not only thinking about our get-out plan, but our plans to defend our own should we see anything like another January 6th. Mia, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you, engage with you, follow you? You can follow me on Instagram at miss.mia.rose. That's ms.mia.rose. That's my main Instagram. I post there almost daily, definitely every week. So everything's there if you want to check me out. She's an e-girl. She's going to be posting daily. Okay, love that. Well, thank you, Mia. It was wonderful having you on. Thank you so much. All right, y'all. That's it for today's episode of Beauty Translated. We'll be back on Monday with another mini-sode. And I'll see you next week for another full-length episode of Beauty Translated. If you haven't already, don't forget to follow the pod wherever you are listening. And let me know your thoughts on today's episode over on Insta at Beauty Translated Pod. And please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Stay beautiful, y'all. Beauty Translated is hosted by me, Carmen Laurent, and produced by Kurt Guerin and Jessica Kreinchich, with production assistance from Jennifer Bassett. Special thanks to Allie Perry and Allie Cantor for their support. Our theme song is composed by Aaron Kaufman. Beauty Translated is proud to be part of the Outspoken Network from iHeart Podcasts. For more iHeart Podcasts, listen on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Happy Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women, creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through six X visit tomboyx.com. right here right now find your beautiful new floor at right rug flooring choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee visit rightrug.com. that's r-i-t-e-r-u-g.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.